In-Depth Douglas is a new student-produced podcast about civic life in Douglasville, Douglas County, Georgia. Civic life includes government, education, arts and culture, religion, community service, all things that comprise the public life we share together. Through authentic, thoughtful conversations, we seek to take the public deeper into the lives of our civic leaders and the organizations they lead so that all of us who call Douglasville and Douglas County home can engage more productively and effectively in the civic life of the community. So our guest today is uh, Terry Miller. He's a local architect who's lived uh, in Douglasville uh, with his wife for 23 years. Uh, They raised two children here, both of whom graduated from the IB program at Douglas County High School, and one has recently graduated from uh, college. Uh, He's been serving on the city council, representing Ward 1, um, for the last eight years. Actually, I have two separate terms. I had two four years, and I separated by six years, and then I came back. Oh, you came back. Okay. I returned. Not continuous. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, eight years total, um, representing Ward 1. Now, if you're like me, you're probably not familiar with the the different wards are geographically. So, Ward 1 is mostly south of I-20 stretching from Bright Star Road on the west to Chapel Hill Road on the east. So thus it includes the mall, the entire Douglas Boulevard commercial corridor. Um, Arbor Station neighborhood is the largest neighborhood uh, um, in, in the ward, and there are a number of large apartment complexes as well. Anything you'd like to add to describe Ward 1? No, I think that does it pretty well. It, it, uh, it does include all of Arbor Station, it's the lar- it's it's the only ward in the city that's contiguous with primarily one neighborhood, in addition to a few co- apartment complexes. But at the same time, we also have the largest commercial district, the retail district west of Atlanta. So it's it's a we're a significant economic generator for the city and the region. Just sure, just yeah. Ward one alone. Yeah, undoubtedly the largest for for the city. Okay, so we just want to start off talking generally about about city council because I think many residents um, aren't aware of why the city council is important. They often confuse city government from county government and what, what, each, what each is responsible for. So just tell us um, why we should care about city council races with a focus on you know, the tangible impacts it has on us and why it matters the kind of people that are serving on the council. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Thanks for I being the first guest. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, well, it, it's important because city government really is the closest to the people. If you look at the different forms of government, uh, I, I want to say Jefferson said some had some quote about that. I can't remember what it was, but but the government that is closest is usually the the, the most important because we we affect folks' daily lives and it, uh, the, everything from streets to utilities to um, the the quality and character of the businesses in the, in the neighborhood and in the city. All of those city government impacts all of those things. So, city government has a very critical role in a lot of our lives, at least at certain aspects of them. And choosing wisely is, is a very important process to to get good government at the local level. And um, what would be um, something recently that this that the city council has done that would most people would recognize the effects of it? Well, we're, we've got. Probably get into a little discussion about the planning stages, but something that that's going to have a major impact in the city right now is a good example is the town green. Um, that's something the city is actually uh, in the process of planning and building a, a new park in the downtown, 
which is going to have an amphitheater and a mixed-use development all along the uh, perimeter of that development. And that's going to, it's going to be a game-changer for this community and for the region because it, it, we're following the example of a lot of other cities that have, have redeveloped themselves and uh, for the future, and this is, this is something that's going to raise the quality of life, for instance. It's, it's a good example. And that's not something that, that a larger government could have done. Couldn't come into a city and build something like that or control or guide that development. And that's something that really uh, only city can do for itself. So we talked in generally about how, how what the council does, how it impacts us. Let's talk about specifically what one council member can do to kind of impact. So looking back at your two different terms, tell us about one of your um, proudest achievements that you see really benefiting well, Douglasville residents. I think the most important thing to remember is you, you are one of seven people. You're one, you're one vote out of seven. So there's not a lot you can do single-handedly by yourself and say, I'm going to make this happen and then get out and do it. You have to, Part of the responsibility and job of being a council member is convincing at least three other people uh, of the importance of what needs to be done, in addition to your constituents, obviously. You have to have, you've got to have political support and backing from the people who put you in office. But you also have to understand how to, how, how to, how to cooperate and, and sell an issue with other folks. And so you, do, you work as a team, and, and most everything we've done is, is through teamwork, and we, we've done a lot of good things. I, I think what I'm probably most proud of is, is I mentioned briefly before, that we, we, we've established a number of master plans for the city, and being part of that process is something that I've been, it's been an honor for me to, to be part of. And I'm very proud of my contributions to getting a new master plan for the city, for the downtown, for the north side, for the Douglas, Douglas Boulevard, uh, and Highway 5 corridor study, and, get, and seeing the changes that are going to transform the city for the better and improve a lot of the problems and issues that we have out there. So I'm quite proud of that process of getting of being involved in that. And some, and some funny thing is, this, you, you know, it's hard to point out what your favorite thing or your best thing is, like pointing out which is your favorite kid, you know, you, know, you can't really do that. Mm -hmm. So on the flip side, um, all politicians make decisions that they... There's a lot of unforeseen consequences, and things work out in ways they didn't expect. So just tell us about something that you wish you had decided differently. Maybe you didn't see it would have this impact. So, yeah, if I could do it again, this is what we do. Uh, well, best example, I would say, is, is, is that I can think of along those lines. Like Again, during my first term, the city built the, um, the Right Star Connector. We spent $3 million on that, and I, I was against that initially. And... I thought it was a waste of money. I, I called it at the time, and it, and it still it seems to be rearing its head each time. But I called it a developer's driveway, because that's basically what it was. We des we designed and built a road strictly for developers on the Bright Star Connector, and, and really the city has seen very little positive uh, anything back from that. If people don't know where that is, it's where Academy Sports is. Correct. Across you from Walmart. Right. What I wish I had done though at the time was fought a little harder to to. Because I lost, obviously I lost the vote, but we didn't really do anything with it for a long time, and I think that was a lost opportunity that we could have tried a little harder at the time to to guide the development along there uh, more in like a new new urbanist fashion. Now we're we're making up for lost ground. We're trying to find a way to develop that property in a, in a way that would benefit the city and be a stronger development for the community. Uh, 1.2 million square foot. Warehouse is not the way. <laughs> sure. I'm glad you brought that up because we'll come back to that when we look at some of your opponent's platform and why, why he's running. So I'm glad that came up. Uh, so you already hinted at your leadership in planning and development in, in the 
good works there that you're proud of. I will mention that you're vice chair of that. Is that correct? Uh, I'm chair of the economic economic planning committee. Oh, you're the chair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you still the chair of IT? Yeah, they call it technology now. Okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, because what, well, what does that mean? For the technology the city committee. The technology committee is sort of like the, the more of a meat and potatoes kind of a committee. It's 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 the a lot of handles a lot of the everyday stuff that we need to take care of, like like the computer system that basically communicates throughout the city, the the radio systems that the police use, uh, a software that we have that that. Um, runs a lot of the the government software that we use for the day to day planning issues and so forth like that. So managing infrastructure, yeah. in the city government. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the radio towers that come under that, we own several radio towers around the city that the, that we actually lease to other companies. So we make a little bit of money off of that. Uh, like like AT and T rents some of some space on one of our towers oh. and a few other companies as well. Uh, and the economic development committee is really for. Uh, Long-range planning issues, like, that, like, like for instance the town green, or or attracting businesses to come into the city and so forth. That that all comes under economic planning, okay. economic development, I should say. Well, let's transition to the second half of the interview, which is about um, the, the race at hand and what's at stake. Um, so you're being challenged by one Mr. William Golding, who I'll note declined um, an, an offer for an interview. So. Um, I did some research on some of his claims. I haven't seen anything more from him except his Facebook page. Perhaps he has an email list uh, as well. So this all comes from his Facebook page. So I've just picked out three things um, that he has mentioned, and I'd like for you just to respond briefly you know, to each in kind. The first one being very vague. So his page uh, implies that, well, actually pretty direct, that city spending, quote, does not make sense and does not benefit the community. So he gives that as a, mm -hmm. as a vague criticism that he would like to do something about. So what is your response to, as much as you can assume what, or infer what he means, uh, how would you respond to that generic it's like, claim? It's like saying, cat's bad, dog's good. Uh, <laughs> um, it, well, it's easy, to, it's easy to criticize when you don't actually show up at meetings and, and participate in the process. Um, it's it's easy to make a vague claim like that when you don't actually study the budget numbers. Uh, the city, let's first of all take a quick quick step back. I mean, when, there was a round, of, we all, everybody's familiar with the round of tax increases we had uh, two years ago. And it's good to note that the city had the smallest increase, which was barely above the rate of of the appreciation of property value. So we had this, of all the, of the, of the three, three governmental entities uh, that, that, co that constitute Douglasville and Douglas County, the, the school board, the county, and the city, we had the smallest increase. We did not increase taxes Which at all. I appreciate as a city <laughs> resident, especially since the school board keeps increasing taxes. And we did not increase taxes this past year at all. Uh, in fact, we had a, a slight decrease in, in the rate of one of the millage rates. So, so as far as that goes, we're not we're not, we're not crazy crazy uh, spenders or you know grabbing everybody's money every penny we can get. Um, the city's balances budget every year that I've been on the city council, uh, and so it, it's we have to be very judicious about that. We're required to you know I, I don't that's not a big pat on the back because we're required to balance our budget, but how we spend that money that we that within that balance is important and it's also important to do it in a way that. Get some return, gets the best possible return to the to the citizens who pay those taxes, and so part of that process is to is to really be careful and vet everything that you spend the money on. And I think we've done a very very good job of that. Um, if there are issues of you know where 
there's always going to be something where I wish you hadn't spent five dollars sure. on this. Or instead. You, you think this is wasteful because yeah. of your perspective. Exactly. Or, so everybody's going to have, have some opinion on. So from your point of view, spending is pretty much uh, a co there's a coherent uh, plan and purpose behind it. Okay. Now specifically, and, th and this relates to award specific mm -hmm. issue, because yeah. um, he has made claims about wanting to represent Ward One better, do a better job for Ward One. So he claims that the council has ignored infrastructure, I guess that's general, but also specific, the plan for the mall has been neglected. Well, the starting with infrastructure, we just, the city just finished repaving within the last year a substantial portion of the streets within Arbor Station. Every single neighborhood, every single subdivision within the, the, the neighborhood had some of its streets that were repaved. And so we've done, we, we put a substantial number of miles of pavement down on that. We built a new sidewalk for uh, Arbor Parkway, uh, which didn't exist at all. Uh, that's a brand new sidewalk. The, um, as far as the mall goes, I mean, we're, we're in the process. We're going to be repaving and rebuilding Douglas Boulevard. Um, once again, I mean, it, it's easy to... It's easy to be ignorant of these issues if you're not aware of what's going on, if you're not paying attention. And, and part of our job is to get people to be aware of what's happening. We've, we've been uh, working on getting a study together for the mall and the Highway 5 Douglas Boulevard corridor for uh, the better part of two years now, which has actually now gone out. The study has, has begun. And that's going to be significant, again, another game changer, because we have to work with the mall. And, and I've been in conversations with uh, Michael Carey and previous mall managers for the last several years, and we've been in constant contact and having discussions on what what we the city can do to help the mall and improve the environment around it. Uh, obviously, it's a private entity. We right. can't go in and tell them. Because it's private, can you clarify <laughs> what you can't do about right. the mall, right? We can't go in and tell them what, how to run their property. We can't tell them what to do. In fact, it's, even, it's complicated further because the mall company, CBL, doesn't even own the anchor boxes. Those are owned separately by those uh, uh, retailers. Yeah. So, like, for instance, when, when the Sears box was sold recently and went to a de developer, the mall had the mall had to get its final uh, say to a certain extent, but it's they don't have ultimate control over that property. They can't tell them. They can only tell them what to do within a certain parameter, within a certain bounds of what can happen in that box. Uh, so the mall can influence what happens, but they, they don't have the final say on that. that that's the, the developer who bought that box. And so um, that's a good exa example. Now, they can do a lot. We can, we can do what we can to encourage them to get the property, make it cleaner, to, to fix up the parking lot, things like that. But the mall ultimately has to reinvent itself. And that's, part, that's kind of where the city comes in and helping them with, with some ideas and rebuilding the infrastructure around it that will suit that. Uh, anybody who's been to certain malls around the country has, has seen that a lot of malls are basically turning their formula inside out. The next generation doesn't go to malls like our generation did. Right. They, don't hang, they don't hang out at malls. They, right. Social media, they don't have that, that compelling interest. Right. When I was a mall rat in middle <laughs> yeah. school, there all the time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that doesn't happen as much as it used to. And so malls have to think differently about how they interact with the, the, the region and the cities that they're located. And, and you see that, like at Cumberland is a good example, where they're sort of turning themselves inside out, where you see a lot more retail on the outside of the mall to, to, to attract people, turning it into more of an entertainment complex, uh, more of a destination. Sure. So, but you can't make them do that. We that can't. Yeah, there's nothing we can do. So just to clarify, right. there, there is 
work in progress of working with, with them yes. all to support yes. them. But, but you can't inform their business strategy and what, what they choose to do with their space. Okay, good. So let's move on to the last thing, which is um, five-year moratorium on new retail or warehouse construction. And knowing the discontent in the community when that warehouse was built on Bright Star um, Connector, I, I assume he's referring to that. Um, and he mentions in, in support of, of this um, call that uh, our current leaders only seem to be interested in, quote, apartments on every acre or abandoned re retail buildings on every corner. So that's the last thing I have you respond to from Mr. Golden. Mm -hmm. The, I think the idea of a moratorium on retail construction would be, in Douglasville, I think the biggest support you'd see for a five-year moratorium on retail construction would come from the planning directors of Carrollton, Noonan, and Villarica, and Marietta. They would have the biggest interest in seeing that happen. Um, that would take us off the map uh, as far as competitive stance. That, 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 that would be a non-starter. With, with, with any city council, I don't care who, who's on it, um, I don't see that happening because you're going you're gonna to realize uh, how singularly bad an idea that is. Um, so that's the retail yeah, side. What about the warehouse side? You can't, you can't have these bold stroke uh, proclamations by saying, okay, we're not going to do anything on this, uh, this sort of development because then you would not be getting, you would not be getting developers like, like Google, you would not have um, Keurig, you wouldn't have any of these large uh, manufacturers who brought a lot of jobs to this area. Uh, and I'm not saying that I, I want to see you know, Amazon build a warehouse on, on Douglas Boulevard. That's not going to happen. But we have zoning, to, to, luckily, in place that prevents things like that. But there are places in this, elsewhere in the city that are already established industrial areas that, you, that, that are suited for that, and you want to direct that development into those areas. Development and planning is not... An area for amateurs. It's not an area where you want to have people saying, you know, do this or do, don't do that in broad strokes. There's a lot of nuance that goes into understanding development issues and planning issues and zoning. The one thing I can say is that I, I'm proud of is that as an architect, that's part of my training is planning and zoning issues. That's part of what we what we do on a, on a daily basis. I, I'm a master planner as well as part, yeah. part of my practice and so understanding how the big picture works, how, how each of those pieces come together to form a successful economic entity is really critical in, in, in city planning. Understanding how, how retail balances with residential and how it balances with industrial development, how it balances with other types of you know, institutional works. How that all comes together is a very, very, very delicate balance. And to come in and just say, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that it all at once, doesn't work very well. And that's how, cities have tried that, uh, and it fails. Sure. It, fail, it fails every time. Well, and let me emphasize, I hope everyone listening has made the connection that you've hinted at between your professional competency and the role that you serve mm -hmm. on, on the city council. So let's let that transition to the last part, which is um, you know, the comments um, on the stakes in the race as far as the benefits of keeping you there. Mm -hmm. So I want you to uh, speak about that briefly, negatively, and not specific to Mr. Golden because we don't no. know him, but but some him. of the risks mm -hmm. of bringing in an inexperienced mm -hmm. um, you know, council medical. Why should we keep an incumbent? So what are some of the risks of bringing someone with no experience? That's kind of the negative part of the answer. And then the positive part of the answer is um, 
you know, what's your own sort of campaign platform? Is it just maintain the status quo, or so there's some specific promises you'd like to make constituents? Every, everybody comes into government without experience. I mean, everybody has to start somewhere, you know, there's no question about that. What you've done prior to that, though, does matter. What, what your background is, whether you've been a volunteer in different org through organizations. I, I was on the Downtown Development Authority for a number of years. I chaired it for a couple of years, and I thought that I think that gave me a great amount of experience in how the city's operated. Um, again, as, as an architect, as a practicing architect, and a designer, I'm very proud of what I've done for the, I've done for the city. You know, I, my firm is responsible for the redevelopment of O'Neill Plaza and the stage canopy that was built. That's my design. We did the the balcony on what's now the Broad Street Station. We we renovated the the Welcome Center. I'm very proud of the work I've done in the center of the city, and that's all part and parcel of of planning and understanding how pieces go together to make a, a successful city. It, it, it was a little rough there for a while when. when there was there was a sort of emptiness on O'Neill Plaza because we we lost uh, a couple of businesses along the now that the Broad Street stations come back and we've got a, a new restaurant uh, on the corner and the Robinson bu building you're seeing now the the fruit of that of that design how that plaza has now come alive again and the people were there and, and it's a very welcoming uh, space that's part of what we that's part I guess you want to call it my platform that that's my platform is to bring back bring life back to the city as much as possible and it comes through design it comes through planning it comes through looking ahead and seeing what you can do that what, what are the right elements to bring in uh, the you you can't have you're not going to you're not going to bring a banana republic and a, and, a, and a gap into downtown they just don't locate in places like that they don't they're going to be in, in, in in uh, these process developments that you see on the outskirts of cities, but you want to do is focus the small businesses, and so part of what my what I'm I'm really focusing on is bringing and, and encouraging more small businesses and locally owned businesses to build, develop, and, and invest here in the community. That's what we need, and we've got, and especially in in Ward One, we've got a lot of commercial property here, and I'd like to see more local. We have a lot of good local businesses that come in, and we have a mix of, of some chains as well. So there. Having that mixture is is good and it's healthy, and but the more we can do to encourage local businesses to locate in the commercial properties in Ward One and in the downtown, the stronger the city is going to be. And that really does, I, I think, my experience on council and as an architect and a planner, I think are, are the are the perfect. That's the critical mass you need to to see these things through. And like I said, I'm very proud of what I've done on all the different planning studies that we have underway that are really going to enrich this city. I mean, you're going to see Douglasville really, really hopping here over the next few years because it's going to be a very exciting place to live. And you know, we're kind of the lost child in the Atlanta region. And we, right. we've been. I, I used to always say, my expression was that Douglasville never never seemed to miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. <laughs> and and now we're finally catching those opportunities. Sure. Well, having been here just 10 years, I haven't seen you know that, that history here, but I know that... Um, the development here has been extraordinary, and the quality of life has improved um, since my family moved here 10, 10 years ago. And, and just so to be clear, I'm not trying to make Douglasville, I don't want to see Douglasville a mini Atlanta. It's not, we're not going to become a mini Atlanta, nor should we. That's, if you like Atlanta, you'll, you'll, you, go, you go to Atlanta. But there are, there are a lot of things that you can do in a small town to give people economic opportunities and modes for recreation and, and just just to enjoy their life here, to raise the quality of life, and that's what we're after. It's just, and I think I, I'm proud to serve on this council. I think we've got a lot of good people in the city council right now who really, and every single one of them, I say without doubt, cares about this city. 
and wants to see it do well. And, and I, you know, I lived here for 23 years, 24 years now. Three, three, my math fast. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have moved here with my family. I wouldn't have raised a family here if I, you know, I didn't you know, appreciate and enjoy this town at every single level. And I want, you know, and I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. I want to see it improved. And I, well, with that, we'll come to a close. And thanks again for being a, a guest on In-Depth Douglas. And best of luck to your, to your campaign. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of In-Depth Douglas. If you like our content, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and help spread the word about this podcast with your friends and family in Douglas County. Thank you for listening.